Hello and welcome to PostgreSFM, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I'm Michael, founder of PG Mustard, and this is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what are we talking about today? Hi Michael, this is episode number 15, right? It is, and because we are geniuses, we planned this really far ahead, and we're going to be talking about Postgres 15. Because this week it's released, I think it's already released yesterday, right? Yeah, exactly. The way we, re- we record beforehand. So fingers crossed the release went well. And if so, it came out yesterday. So thanks to everybody involved in that. And sorry in advance if, if anything went wrong. Right. And also, I should congratulate you and myself because we didn't skip any weeks, 15 weeks in a row. It's a big, big achievement, right? And thank you all for great feedback. Again, we received a very good feedback. Thank you. And the requests also, we listen to requests. Uh, requests exceed our capabilities, definitely. But we will try to catch up. Please continue. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would have been easy to skip a week if we weren't getting lots of nice comments. So thank you, everybody. Okay, Postgres 15, what's your favorite feature? Straight to it. You know, I'm a performance fan in general, but I have a few reasons for picking the performance improvements to sorts specifically. Yeah, there are multiple ones. Yeah, there are lots, and I, I know they are separate features, but when you consider them together as a group, I think they're so powerful, mostly because anybody who upgrades will benefit from them without having to change anything on their side. Right, and everyone does it. Any project has order by, right? Exactly. I think so. 99.99% have it. Even, yeah, exactly. And I think it's used in other cases as well, right? Like I see query plans with sorts in them that don't, you know, they might be related to other operations as well. Right. The question is how much improvement can be not noticeable, but like, I I don't know. I haven't seen details, haven't tried myself, but I I do see many mentioning of order by small improvements here and there, like with gist indexes and other things. I I noticed it as well. Yeah. So order by was improved. Yeah, and there's a really good blog post by David Rowley, or Rowley, I'm not sure, I'm sorry that I've definitely got that wrong at least once, on the Microsoft blog that I can include. Obviously, benchmarks are tricky, but it has some benchmarks on each of them, and there's some decent wins in there. Oh, so a, a whole blog post only about uh, sorting improvements? In Postgres 15, yeah. By the way, I don't like the word sorting and this is official in SQL and, and uh, PostgreSQL release notes use it as well. But sorting sometimes like no, normal people, not engineers, they think about it like, okay, this goes here, this goes there, right? Not not the changing order, you, you know, this problem, ordering. Right? Yeah. But ordering is much better in my head than sorting, but sorting, this is what we have in source code and everywhere and so on. So, yeah, one of the features there, it's a, it's a bunch, bunch of improvements, right? And one of the improvements I would like to notice is improvement of performance of sorting or ordering when work mem is exceeded. This is interesting, right? If, if I'm not mistaken from Peter Eisentraut, commit was, his name was mentioned there. But I would like to test this one. I'm not sure how much it was improved, but it definitely sounds interesting because WorkMem sometimes is not enough. Like we have temporary files and so on, and this is interesting. Yeah, there were multiple. There was yeah, there were improvements to on-disk sorts, so that's what we're talking about here. There were proof, improvements to in-memory sorts, and there were improvements to the amount of memory needed for sorting, especially certain data types. So really mm-hmm. common data types have had specific optimizations put in for them. 
And that's important because it means some sorts that previous, even if you don't change your work mem setting, some sorts that previously would have spilled to disk will now be able to happen in memory. So that'd be an Mm -hmm. extra performance boost around that threshold. So yeah, so many improvements that hopefully in combination will will help people without them noticing. Not necessarily without them noticing, but hopefully upgrading. Like always, hopefully upgrading will give you a performance boost right out of the gate. Yeah, worth testing, definitely, and checking. Interesting. How about you then? What's your your favorite feature? Very small one, uh, small feature. By the way, also Peter Zetraut, as I remember, was involved there. It was a collation control, like Postgres will... I don't know details, honestly, but I know the problem very well. When we upgrade operational system, glibc, glibc, silent upgrade, we, we talked about it in previous episodes, might happen, right? And usually it, it's, it's usually happens if you upgrade, for example, from Postgres, uh, from Ubuntu 18.04 to 22.04, for example. And the question is, uh, is it dangerous upgrade of glibc or it's not? So, and more often then I would like to, to have it, uh, it's, it's quite dangerous. So we, you can have some indexes corrupted silently and nobody will tell you. So this is like a field of minds. You can step into it. And uh, after upgrade also, you don't see any problems. But after a couple of days, your users started to complain. Some queries don't work as expected. And this is obvious sign of index corruption. So you should test it. We have check. So now in Postgres 15, it will report that actual version. It's not what database expects. And it's controlled on database level, as I know. So it's good at least to have immediate error or message. Yeah. So is that a log message? How does it report it? I don't know, actually. So okay. <laughs> I just I was I just saw that this problem was addressed at least somehow. In my yes. opinion, it should be so. Like Postgres should uh, care, and Postgres should know which glibc version was used when table was created, database was created, and now it's there. So it knows and it complains about difference. How it complains, I have no idea. Unfortunately, sorry. We, we will see. Unfortunately, in systems I deal with, we will see only in like three or so years because. Like it, it will take time to upgrade big systems, but smaller systems, it's good that it will be there very fast. And it's quite common when you, for example, copy operational system upgrade is one of cases. So you can also, for example, take your PG data and bring to different machine and without noticing that the glibc version has changed. Or for example, you run Postgres in containers PG data was created using one glibc version, but in container you, you have different glibc version and also have problems. So finally, since Postgres 15, we will have visibility to this issue. And this is a very important thing, I think. Like, it's, it's, like it feels quite small, but it's so painful to not to have it. Great that Postgres 15 finally has it. Also merge, of course. This is big, right? I, I have checked the history of Merge. Can you guess when the talks about it started in Postgres, in the Postgres project? I can cheat because I saw a talk by Simon Riggs at Postgres mm. London, and I think he was involved Ooh. from quite early on. But yeah, so it's a long, even though, even though I was told a few months ago, I'm, I'm still probably going to under guess, let's say six years ago. 2005. <laughs> so yeah, 16 <laughs> years ago. Yeah, 16 or 17. Well, roughly. Yeah, wow. Right, and it was uh, reverted in 2018 in Postgres 11. Yeah, it, it had issues. So Simon Riggs committed it, and then it, he needed to revert it, unfortunately. And this was a big like disappointment moment for Postgres 11. 
I remember it quite well. So we lived with Absurd, but Merge is much more powerful. It has like conditions. It has it has ability to delete instead of just a update or insert. So it, yeah, like, and it's also standard com- compliant, which is very important. And it also Oracle SQL Server DB2 uh, like big data DB2 like okay, two big databases Oracle and SQL Server they support it. So if you migrate from there. It's like one of very common points of pain when you need to rewrite your queries. Now it will be much more convenient. Yeah, exactly. Less work to do a big migrate. Like everything we can do to make those migrations from things like Oracle less work overall mean the balance of cost. Benefit from from the project, right? Exactly. The cost benefit ratio keeps going in our favor. So yeah, thanks to everyone who's worked on that for so long. Yeah, I, I was surprised with it. Like suddenly, yeah. okay, it, it, it's committed again. This time, of obviously, quality is great, so it's going to stay. And it was a big surprise. So many years, right? It's probably the longest feature in development, merge. So yes, and then the the other thing you mentioned there was SQL standard compliance, and we've we talked even quite recently, I think a couple of episodes ago, on why we like how important that is for people choosing Postgres. So everything. Before that, let's mention the other standard yes. compliant feature that probably is repeating the path of merge because it was reverted after first beta or second beta. I don't remember exactly. The JSON. Right. SQL JSON, part of SQL standard, it was reverted both from 15, already after beta, right? And from 16 development branch, it was also reverted for some time until it polished. And it was probably the biggest disappointment of the 15 release, right? Yeah, absolutely. But when I read the a lot of the things we've praised Postgres for recently are things like how, how high the quality bar is and how strict the release process is and things like that and it seemed like there were really good reasons for not committing it and that overall we're probably better off with it coming back at a later date in a better state right some some other feature was reverted but i don't remember which one it was a smaller feature but also was reverted in this I release. Don't remember either. So, so already after first better a couple of revert actions happened so inter- interesting observation it's good to see things happening in the beta phase, though. It means people are trying it. People are, you know, looking at each other's patches and just making sure this is being held to the, the same standard across the board. I, I really appreciate it. As somebody who mostly relies on Postgres's reliability and performance, of course, but mostly reliability, I think a lot of the community is is here because it just works. And features that, you know, features that go in and then you can end up with weird things like if you look at the data types, J- I know it's not related, but the data type JSON and then data type JSONB, we, we're forever having to tell people about JSONB because of JSON being done first. And I, I'm wondering like, if, if, that, if that's the kind of thing that maybe wouldn't have happened in the current, the current way of releasing things, but I'm not sure. Well, between them, there are a couple of years of development, so maybe no, right? Yeah, maybe. Good point. Because, yeah. So what's next? What's the topic, subtopic to discuss? Well, we have a couple of like, there are a couple of other things listed in the top line features I'd be interested in your opinion on. There's some improvements to logical, some logical replication improvements. Oh, and a some, bunch of improvements, right. Yeah, that seems to be something that's getting better and better each major release. It's not something I use myself, so I haven't read them in detail. Fine but, effect. I'm I'm using it, but not intensively on big production systems yet. Okay. 
because of issues with it. And I see observing improvements during the last couple of years, like much more active improvements compared to several previous years. I'm excited about it because it feels like soon we will have much better logical replication, much, much better. So big systems, for example, those who generate more than one terabyte of wall data per day or having like dozens of thousands of TPS size, like terabytes or dozens of terabytes, the maintenance of logical replication will be not such painful as it is right now. And uh, I, I'm not going to describe all of the features. Uh, it's a bunch of good improvements and features. I will mention only a couple of them. For example, you, now you're, you will be able to skip some actions from the stream of changes. Because if somehow on recipient side, on, on subscriber side, for example, conflict occurs, unique key violation or lack of something because of foreign key violation or something. Usually it means that's it for your logical replication. <laughs> you need to start from scratch or to fix somehow to to get rid of unique key or something. It's, it's not good. But right now there, there will be ability to skip some record in the stream and you can continue and understand why this happened and fix it later. But the big goal number one is to continue because if you have a lot of changes, you need to continue applying change. And losing just one change is, is less problematic than being stuck and not apply changes at all. So this is a quite interesting feature. And some other features are also related to performance and so on. And I would like to mention that Amit Kapila, who participated in many of these improvements, he gave a talk in our Postgres TV Open Talks series a few months ago. So go to postgres.tv, it's a YouTube channel, or you're already here, right, if you watch us with our faces not only on podcast version. So and just listen to that talk. It, it was like from first hand, a lot of insightful ideas, thoughts and observations, how both about Postgres 15 and future versions as well. So this, this is better to listen from there instead of just listening to us here. Okay, that's it with logical. What's next? What do you think? We have a couple of other ones. There's more compression options, for example, oh, yeah, PG-based yeah. backup. Yeah. Yeah, PG-based backup is a way to create, a, I call it, thick clone, like regular clone. Like you copy, if you have terabyte, you will copy this terabyte to different place on the same disk or different disk, maybe different server. And of course, compression is good to have because we have a lot of CPU power in many cases. But disk and network may be worse bottleneck than CPU. So compressing everything and sending less is can be beneficial in terms of time. Right. So I easily can see how we can win in many places in our daily operations or DBA operations. So this, I'm glad this appeared in Postgres 15. Yeah, it's really cool. I think we've seen a few compression related features in the last couple of versions. So it feels like there's probably a few people pushing those. So thank you to them as well. Right. And also uh, wall compression can be controlled. I mean, in wall, there is no such thing as wall compression. There is, if you enable wall compression, you basically enable, enable not everything, but only for full page writes. The wall is recorded in two types. If you change some row in a table, it's recorded as a change. But if full page writes are enabled, and they are enabled by default and should be enabled to avoid corruption in many cases. First change after checkpoint is recorded as like full page, eight kilobytes, kibibytes. And if compression is not enabled, you spend eight kibibytes. If it's enabled, you spend less. 
And I recommend everyone to enable this uh, wall compression. However, I saw in Twitter somebody complained a CPU usage, some, some queries degraded after enabling compression. In my own experience, dealing with large systems heavily loaded, wall compression was always beneficial and only benefits were observed, significant benefits. So we, we write much less in wall. So now, as I remember, POSIX15 will allow you to control the compression type because usually it's like it was quite lightweight compression. Maybe you want to compress more heavily. So now you can tune it. Additionally, it's interesting. Yeah, so this, this is what means wall compression. Only full page rise. First change in the page after checkpoint. Subsequent changes until next checkpoint will be recorded individually only the data what was changed. Okay, I'm with you now. Yeah. That makes sense. Right, right. So, like, more fine-tuning for, for enhance of DBAs. This is good. Yeah. Right. And the last one that made the kind of the major features list, at least in the release, the draft release notes, was JSON format for server logs. Oh, before, something... before, before we go there, oh, yeah. I also, have you noticed, this is what's interesting item, I'm looking at it right now, add support for writing wall using Direct.io on MacOS from Thomas Munro. This is interesting. Usually, Postgres has no anything with Direct.io. Some systems have, like MySQL, Oracle, they allow it. So now, only on MacOS, it's possible. With additional conditions, like max wall sender is zero and, and wall level is minimal. So this, is, this looks like kind of experimental thing. And only on yeah. MacOS, which is funny, right? Who, who runs production Postgres on MacOS? <laughs> no, but then again, I guess sometimes people do... Yeah, I guess sometimes people do look at performance things on their local machine, and that's an interesting case, maybe a problem. But the the other thing that I've heard of is people wanting to test the the processors, the Mac processors, as you know potentially interesting to run Postgres workloads on. Uh, yeah, not in production yet, but if they you know the M1, M2 processors, if they're mm. really good, then. I wonder like what kind of performance we could see at database wise. Yeah, Direct.io for wall, it's interesting. Like I, I would uh, definitely uh, spend some time benchmarking it and just to understand what kind of benefits we can have here. But my opinion, like this is experimental, some small move. Yeah. I, I didn't see discussions, unfortunately, in hackers about it. But I think uh, something will happen in future, my gut tells me, right? Because not only on macOS, on, on Linux as well, in this area. Uh, and this is, this is interesting. So, yeah, this is it about wall. Uh, some some improvements with PG-based backup also uh, happened, some more control and so on, like uh, this is also good. Uh, and exclusive backup mode is killed, so no more exclusive backup mode. Nobody was using it for several years already. It was default and I remember some confusion, but now just we forget. Some cleanup happened here. I think that's it about backups. Uh, let's talk about some develop, developer stuff. What else? We discussed merge, we discussed reverted SQL JSON. We discussed some uh, sorting or ordering optimizations. With indexes, there is some work continued related to duplicates. Remember deduplication and improvements in B3 in uh, Postgres 13 and I think in 12 and 14 definitely from Peter Gagan and others. And now more yeah, cases are supported, right? So tables with toast, their indexes also have improvements. This will affect oh, as, cool. as you yeah, as you said, this will affect everyone. 
if you have a quite big table, so if table is toasted, meaning that you have records rough, very rough, roughly more than two kilobytes. So big records, yeah. for example, JSON or text. O almost or text. anybody that's storing JSON. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, there are sometimes we have small JSON values, but, but often we have sure. quite large ones. And in this case, index, if this table is indexed uh, with B3, now this uh, benefits previous releases introduced in terms of index size and how degradation happens when you update it. So bloat or growth will slow down and so on. And this is good. So like probably it's finalizing the work in this area, maybe. I'm not sure, maybe uh, there is something else, but it feels like what was done before, now we have full coverage of, case, of cases. Also, nulls, remember this, like in unique keys, we can say all nulls are the same, which is not uh, what books teach us. Nulls should be, like, null equals null. No, uh, nulls are disti distinguished usually because null is unknown. So we, if we compare nulls, usually the result was no, they are not the same. But now there is ability to say they are all the same and we have only one single null in our universe in terms of unique keys. And yeah, in some cases it's useful. There's a blog post by Ryan Lambert on Mustproof Labs about that. I'd forgotten that was in 15. Just on the development front, I've just been looking at a few of Peter's other commits and I'd forgotten that a hashmem multiplier has been increased. So this was, I think, introduced in 14. So anybody running 14 might be interested in this as well. It's a multiplier to workmem that can let you raise the amount of memory available for hashes, but without raising it for sorts. So you could say, I want there to be 16 megabytes available for workmem, but I want there to be 32 or 64 available for uh, hashes. So you could set uh, the multiplier to two or four. Interesting how to make this decision. Like how can we can make the decision with numbers? We need some proper analysis before we do it, right? This is interesting. It's super interesting that the default's been changed. So I think that's a really, that's something that Postgres generally shies away from doing. And I'm really impressed that they've done. You so. know my opinion about defaults, right? No, I don't think I do. My opinion, a lot of defaults are absolutely outdated. It should be changed. We should care about modern servers, uh, SSDs and so on. And in this context, I will pull us back to operational side and log checkpoint is on now. Log checkpoints. It was off yeah. by default and it was terrible state because checkpoint data you always wanted, right? And this discussion was like, discussion was like, we don't want to generate a lot of logs because, you know, like sometimes we have small machine with small disk and we don't want to fill it with logging. But checkpoint data is so useful to understand what's happening for DBAs. It should be on. And this is small win. I think this is good. I'm in the camp of let's make defaults much more modern, up-to-date. And on for checkpoints, definitely a win. The other one, log uh, min, auto vacuum min duration, was also changed to 10 minutes. And I think it's only partial win. I would change it to one second. Or I, I personally use sometimes zero. Of course, it generates a lot of logs, but also useful for analysis. And even if uh, auto vacuum took half of second, you have interesting data to analyze, you you see a lot of interesting stuff. But of course, in some heavy loaded systems, it will produce a lot of logging volumes. Yeah, the, the line in the release notes for this is fascinating. And I think shows that maybe you have a slight difference of ideology with whoever's making these decisions, because it, it says this will cause even an idle server to generate some log output 
which might cause problems on resource constrained servers without log file rotation. So the question is, why, why are we optimizing for idle servers without log file rotation versus a lot of people running because, these things? Yeah, this is, I think this note is, is about log checkpoints because we have the checkpoint timeout and they happen on a, by default five minutes, so also yeah. not good default as well. But yeah. anyway, and I think it's they just want to avoid the situation when you install Postgres. You know, the, the usual opinion about Postgres from like wide audience from long, long ago. It's hard to start, but once you install it, it's just working and you simply forget about it, right? Yeah. Uh, of course, it's, it makes sense to think about it's not good if you installed it and it stopped working after a year or two suddenly because of logs. It, it may happen, of course, yes. But log rotation is it should be enabled. But funny fact, a couple of days ago, we had a system where log rotation, quite important system in our infrastructure, where log rotation was disabled and we had zero disk space, free disk space. So it, it happens. But still, log checkpoint on. One thing on that note is that I guess the world is changing quite a lot, and and a lot of pe- a lot of the time these defaults don't matter as much because more and more. Maybe, like I think I saw a survey not that long ago that suggested it might even be close to fifty percent now of instances are running on managed services on cloud. They files. have their own set of defaults, and they can change that. They can set the defaults for you, and they can do these things like logging, like they log do rotation it. for you. Exactly. So I think some of these things. But there, this problem is solved already. I, uh, like, I yeah. think uh, I'm not sure, but uh, I, I, I'm almost sure that on RDS, log checkpoints are on by default for log. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But it should be yeah. so. This is very important information. Yeah. While we're on this topic, I think the other one that makes sense when you said for modern systems, the first one that I thought of was random page cost. And well, that's still being. The random page cost should be very close to sec page cost if you use SSD, definitely. Or if your database is below your RAM, also different. Like uh, then, yeah. So because it means that if 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 you're in fully cached state, it means the sequential random doesn't matter. They are like similar, so they should the cost should should be close or equal. Uh, but speak, back to logging, many things can be should be changed. You can see, for example. Uh, log um, log locking. You also should uh, yeah. have it logged, but it's off by default. Or and many things. Some some people, uh, for example, enable logging of connection disconnections as well. But it can spam your logs <laughs> definitely. So. But yeah, based on based on this philosophy, an idle server wouldn't generate loads of logs for either of those. So I can see I could see people being more open to that than maybe some of the other ones. Well, anyway, it seems like depends, pro- lots depends. of progress. Even well, if it's yes. not everything we wanted, it's so much progress. I hope this reconsideration of defaults will continue in the right direction. Yeah. But 10 minutes for AutoVacuum is not enough. What, 10 minutes? <laughs> okay. okay. The other thing I'm looking forward to this year is seeing how fast each of the cloud providers release new versions. I think we've seen some, some of the Improved. newer ones. Some of them mm-hmm. were very You fast, mean new players, actually. right? Yeah, exactly. So I think Crunchy, Bridge were pretty much the same day, if not a day or two after the release last year, they had a version of 14. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Microsoft, one of their services was, I think RDS still take a little bit of time, but, but it's a, still uh, relatively fast. I, I saw some signs of improvement in terms of speed. Yeah. But yeah. also Google, interesting Google Cloud, which started to improve in terms of Postgres suddenly, because a few years ago, I, I was I was saying, don't use Google Cloud. If you, they're managed Postgres. Right now, things are changing. They have interesting things. 
again we had we had a guest on Postgres TV. Hanu. Hanu Crossing, former Skype Postgres architect. And it was a great talk about vacuum. Yeah, it really was. Do you vacuum? Yeah, and we I'm guilty of being a Google Cloud PostgreSQL user as well. And they, they are doing some really cool things. They did release 14 quite quickly as well. So fingers mm-hmm. crossed. So things are improving. I think it's competition. Yeah, it's absolutely. competition. And people wanting it, which is good news. People, mm-hmm. users mm-hmm. asking for it. So yeah, encourage everybody to, to check out 15 as and when they can and to keep upgrading, especially, I guess, anybody on version 10 or before should definitely be thinking about upgrading as soon as possible because that will stop getting oh, security 10 is, patches. 10 is, uh, 10 is, that's it. For 11, one year left. Yeah. And even regardless of security patches and things, just the number of performance improvements you could get by upgrading is, is worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. As well as all of these features we've been talking about. Great. Some partitioning improvements we haven't mentioned. Some other things like for from data wrappers. So we may, uh, okay, a lot of a lot a lot of more improvements are there. So it's good. It's good. So many hundreds. In fact, actually, another website that I will link up is a good one. Why upgrade? Depesh. Yes. Depesh.com. Yeah. Why upgrade? Yeah. Yes. I I always use it to show people what they are missing. Yeah, it's really good at showing security patches you're missing in bright red. With and, highlighted red, red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and additionally, it's it's got a nice search feature. So if you're wondering about any changes in the last few major versions to a feature you really care about, you can search for that feature by name and see all of the commit messages related to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's cool. Great. Wonderful. Any last things? Yeah, usual reminder to subscribe, like, and provide more feedback. We like it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. It keeps us going, and we really appreciate it. So, yeah, have a good one, people, and see you next week. Bye.